This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the 343 Podcast. This is another installment of Two Minutes Uninterrupted. On these episodes, coaches are given two minutes to discuss their coaching philosophy and ideas about the game. After that, we talk about the topics that they touched on and try to extract at least one gold nugget that you can leave with. The guest on this episode is Sarah Devine. So a big thank you to Sarah for coming on the show. You can connect with her on Twitter. Her Twitter handle is at SD from the SD, which is at Sarah Devine from the San Diego. That's what it stands for. So at SD from the SD. And you can find more episodes like this on 343coaching.com. That's also where you can learn more about 343's premium coaching membership program. It is a powerful and proven coaching education program for ambitious coaches who want to learn how to coach possession-based soccer using gold standard methods. The methodology is the culmination of decades of study and practice domestically and overseas. And of note are Brian Kleiben's five internships at FC Barcelona along with lots of trial and error to hone his coaching craft here at home. And that methodology is delivered to you in easy-to-use online courses loaded with video, audio, and ebook lessons. David Copeland-Smith, the founder of Beast Mode Soccer, is in his sixth year as a 343 member. And he said, and I quote, Honestly, it's worth 10 times the yearly membership. You're not investing in the drills, you're investing in your education, a proven methodology, and a phenomenal community of progressive coaches, end quote. The premium coaching membership gives you 24-7 access to simple and easy-to-use modules that teach you 343's philosophy and methodology, the same methodology that has developed players like LA Galaxy's Efra Alvarez, Ajax's Alex Mendez, and Wolfsburg's Ulianas. If you want to learn the gold standard methods, and if you want to develop players and teams to their full potential, you can start doing that today. Visit 343coaching.com for all of the details. All right. I hope that you enjoy this episode of Two Minutes Uninterrupted with Sarah Devine. So nature of the call is designed to be pretty quick. So we'll start with uh, you getting two minutes uninterrupted to discuss your philosophy about coaching soccer or pretty much anything you want to talk about for two minutes about coaching soccer. And then uh, and then we'll learn a little bit more about you and we'll talk about what you, uh, what you decided to touch on. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. Perfect. All right. Go ahead and take it. Okay. Um, so I, I guess I'll have to start with the reason I'm excited to talk is that I'm 80% sure of everything I say, but 20% unsure. And I love to debate. So anything that's up for conversation or debate, and if somebody can prove me wrong, I'm down. Um, but for me, the most important thing that soccer brings to the table is life. And I think life brings soccer and they equate each other. And I think as a female coach coaching females, but for men as well, um, coaching men it's just that for me soccer has become more than just kicking a ball um all the lessons i've learned have been before after during on the car on the way to or you know discussing soccer as a kid with my parents um as a coach with other coaches 
Um, and then simple learning tasks, like in soccer, you're learning how to do a step over or whatever. It teaches you focus, drive, motor skills, decision making, you know, all these different things that I think the bigger picture for me of soccer is teaching about life. Um, I think soccer specific, though, I really believe in pressure training in the sense that I don't think players get a lot out of one on one by themselves, not one on one, I guess, just solo touches at practice. I think solo touches are for private training or for um at the home by themselves, something like that. I really believe in doing a 2v1, doing a 5v2, doing a 5v5 scrimmage, something where you can manipulate the scenario to help them. Let's say your topic is attacking in the final third and you want their first touch to be aggressive. I think no matter how many times I ask somebody to play on their downfield foot, um, no matter how many times I ask them to play on their downfield foot, they don't realize the importance until a defender is coming and then they play on their downfield foot and they attack. Um, and then that, I think that helps teach the motor skill better than anything I can verbally, um, talk to them about. Um, I don't know. Is that almost two minutes? <laughs> Minute 56. There it is. Okay. <laughs> cool. I wasn't sure. Yeah, no, you're all good. Uh, all right, go ahead. Inter- introduce yourself actually and tell people where, where you're from, where, what level you're coaching, where you're coaching, all that good stuff. Um, I am Sarah Devine and I am originally from San Diego, but I've been living in Orange County since college started. Um, I coach at the Patiodorus, um, our DA club. I don't have any DA teams. I just help with them. Um, and I coached college for a little bit and decided that club is what works for me right now. Got it. And, uh, what, uh, what ages, what, what genders are you coaching? I coach a girls 2011 team, so they're eight years old, and then a girls 2007 team, so they're 12 years old. And then I assist with the DA teams. Like when we travel, if a coach can't go, I'll go and coach those teams as well. We have a small DA, so it's like, and it's just our club. So we're really involved with all the girls. I do all the strength and conditioning training um, at our, we have a side facility that we'll do on Wednesdays. And I do speed and agility strength conditioning with all the groups, all the DA groups. What's your what's your qualifications in order to to assist with that? Did you go get a degree in college with like kinesiology or training or something like that? I do not have any of that. I have a degree in psychology with a minor in education and then a master's in athletic admin. Okay. Um, but my absolute passion is the physical side of structurally developing bodies. Um, I just think that I have done it well for myself and my family, and we were just raised in a world where that was the focus i mean we ran six miles before soccer games when i was 11 years old like that was our family activity um and just learning what's too much look like and following our i was coaching at uc riverside for a really long time and following our strength coaches there and their geniuses and just learning from them and um it's just something i am passionate about um, but i have not gotten a degree in it uh it's a it's an interesting topic it gets brought up a lot by by one of my just one one of my close friends and she recently had twin girls and started talking about how she wants the twin girls to grow up in an environment where they see their parents doing like positive things like exercising, eating correctly and how important that is for, for, you know, families to really have that environment, set up that environment for their kids. And if a kid is not set up in that type of environment, well, they need to find that, 
that leadership or that role model somewhere else. And so it sounds like you, you can kind of maybe fill that role model based on your own personal experiences that you grew up with having positive role models, but you can kind of fill that role model uh, slot for, for some of your players maybe. Yeah. I take a lot of pride in that. Honestly, um, I take a lot of pride in um, jumping in when I was coaching college and making sure that all the girls knew I could still beat them. Um, started <laughs> to get thin there toward the end. It wasn't all the time. Um, but also in front of the players, they'll never see me um, eat unhealthily. They'll see me I, to games. I bring fruits and vegetables and snacks that I want them to be eating. Um, I just think they're looking for somebody to lead them. And if they can't get it at home and whether or not they are, it's not my job. But if they can see what I'm doing and see um, what works for me, um, I think I can help in that way. All right, let's uh, let's let's get into what you decided to talk about for your two minutes because you talked you, you touched on a couple things. Um, I wrote, I wrote down one question and I wrote down two notes. Um, mm-hmm. The you mentioned that you're you're not a fan of working on like individual skills that the kids can definitely work on you know, in their own time or with a personal trainer. And I absolutely agree with that. And we've talked about that many, many times on this podcast. When, when did you start to believe that though? I, I guess. Um, so you actually had a friend of mine on your podcast, Keyshawn, and yep. him and I had worked at UC Riverside together and we worked there together for five and a little bit of change years. And he is a philosopher in the game of soccer. He has a brain like nobody else's and he's willing to experiment and try things um, where other people are scared to for the sake of winning. Um, He would rather try it and be better. Um, And so him and I would have the best debates in the world back and forth about everything. And he really started um, following a certain Dutch coach that he liked. And um, we started pursuing that with the team and actually seeing it play out was difficult in college because you just don't have time with the players that you like. Um, but last year I had, I was at a different club last year and I just had an absolute stud of a team in terms of work ethic. And we didn't waste any time with like individual training. Cause I gave them homework and they would do the homework at home. Um, and we spent every minute getting after it. And because they were so hardworking and the pressure work, I mean, we went for it. We were the B team in our club and finished the season. Um, I mean, I know state cups, not the end of the end. I'll be, I guess I'm not going to talk state cup, um, but we finished the season. We tied arguably the best team in our age group in Southern California. That's very so cool. What, they, they killed it. What was it about your, your team that, I don't know the right way to ask this, I guess, you know, because I think a lot of coaches do assign homework and it's very common for the players to not do it. But you said that your team had no problem doing this. What was special about this group of kids that, you know, that, that made them want to do the homework? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm realizing it now because I have a different type of team and I'm a little bit jaded because I went back again with some of my coworkers and we're talking about certain players will really, really work. And about half my team now will put in time and the other half won't. And so we talk about how much I'm jaded in the sense that a lot of it is recruiting because you pull in this kid that's got the work ethic that does that. Well, I look like a good coach because when I say you need to juggle 300 times, they'll go do it. Um, so it makes me look better cause I've recruited a kid that works harder. Um, but there, I don't know. I don't know what the team, I mean, toward the end of the season, these are, they were Oh eight. So they're 10 years old. And toward the end of the season, we would have practices where I would have to stop practice and physically pull them off each other. Cause they were fighting in the mud 
And these are 10 year old girls. Like they were in the mud, hitting each other, going down, yelling, like, (laughs) but in such a good way where I would have to stop practice. Like, Hey, don't hurt your teammate. It's okay. And they would have to cool off and then get back to it. And I don't know what that was. And I, it's, I mean, it's my personality. So I think I definitely brought it out, but they already had it. I just made it come through. If that makes sense. Was that a group of kids that were together for two, three, four years already? No, that's what's insane. When I got the team, um, I had six kids and the six kids had been together. Um, but the A team had picked off two and two had left because they didn't make the A team. And then we kind of just pulled some random pieces together. One from, you know, I think they came in pairs. We had two from a legends club, two from West coast, two from LA galaxy. And we just kind of came in like that. And, I had 13 kids that were just insane, like mentally going after it. But you had six as like the core group. Yeah. Of that six, I would say probably three of them were core players and three of them were core mentality, like, like change the mentality of the team. And three of them were more just like good kids that everybody liked. Got it. Got it. That's also important though. Yeah. Um, the question mark that I wrote down, and I've, I've just never heard it described like this. You you said downfield foot a, a couple of times. And so I, I've used things like far foot or receive across the body. Some, some Those are some of the phrases I think that... Um, or like attacking that, foot. I see. I've never heard attacking foot either. So downfield foot or attacking foot. And I think I know what you mean, but may, maybe just explain that and explain how you use that with your teams or maybe maybe how you get a, a 10-year-old girl to understand what downfield foot means. Absolutely. Well, what I'm really looking for is for my players to make decisions. Um, and I think if you open your hips up to the field and you're not facing, let's say, facing your own goal or you have an idea of where you would like to go. So you're opened up. So your hips are facing where it's coming from and where you would like to go. I think that receiving on that downfield foot or your attacking foot, or as you're saying across your body allows you to then see more to make a decision. So I talk to the players about you're giving yourself an opportunity to attack. If it's on when you receive on that foot, if you're receiving on, let's say it's coming across your body to your right foot, You can see where you want to go. You can see where it came from. And now it's up to you to make the best decision. Um, If you receive on the foot facing where it came from, um, you've now limited your options. You kind of have to go back unless you have a plan to turn. Um, So we really talk with my team about can you receive on that attacking foot? And if nothing's on going forward, you can use that first touch to go back where it came from, which is fine. Um, and we just, I'll physically explain it. I'll demonstrate it. Um, and we go through how it helps them. Um, I did a drill actually, cause we're working on in the curriculum for the DA, which my team is DPL, but we follow the same curriculum. Um, we're on attacking in the final third and we just did a simple two V one. It was a 30, 30 feet, feet, no, 30 meters wide and 15 meters deep. And the players were on the wide sides, the longer sides. And it was just a 2v1 and the one would play in. And the two beat the one, you know, 98% of the time. But it was all about that first touch. So as they're coming in, the first touch comes directly at them. And then if there's an opportunity to pass, Um, the players, it would really break down if the players took it on the foot that was back where 
they did not want to go, you could see where the defender was able to gain advantage and cut them off if they received on their attacking foot and able to go forward. Um, so I like to allow the game to teach that. And once they failed, it's like, okay, well, what could you have done different? Or, you know, could you receive on, let's say it was coming across your body to your right foot. Could you receive on your right foot with an attacking touch? And now the defender doesn't even have a chance to recover and come cut you off. Um, and I like to use the game to explain it like that. And it sounds like you, you use your team training sessions to, to train most of that stuff. And you're not worrying about you know, individual technical exercises during your team training times? I wouldn't say I'm not worried. I just think that it comes with competition. I'm a competitor to the end, to the death through and through. I just did CrossFit this morning before we talked and (laughs) competition is what I live for. And I think that competition will force you to use the right technique. Competition will force you to see what the best thing is um and if a player is failing over and over and over and over and taking their touch right into the defender i'll ask them hey step out why don't you and me hit a few back and forth okay that's what it feels like to have a good first touch okay hop back in or you know can you hit a few against the wall whatever it is or i'll talk to them after practice when you go home you need to spend some time hitting it against the wall Um, wherever you can find a wall because your first touch is not clean enough. And like we said before, 50% of them go home, get better. 50% of them nod their head and never work on it. (laughs) That's very true. It's very true. I can speak from experience with that one. Uh, So you said you coach with Pats. Is is that, if I remember correctly, is Neil the DOC there? Yes, Neil Powell, awesome guy. Yeah, I took my C course with Neil. So that means that you also work with Jen Martin. I work with Jen Martin, yeah. Okay, she was in my C course as well. Okay. Very small world. It's it's a very small little club. I mean, Neil's in charge, and then I don't know if you know Jenny Hammond. I don't, no. Um, you, uh, she's a great coach to follow and pay attention to. Um, I'm hoping to work under her with um, some DA teams next year. And then Martin and Dave, they're good guys as well. And then Jen Martin, um, it's just a really, really good crew. And Mac, who has a degree in kinesiology, so her and I are working together um, with some of that strength stuff. I mean, there's only eight of us on staff. And it sounds um, like ha- half of them are female? Yeah. Um, I think Jenny, Jen, Mac, me, yeah, four and four. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, that's a that's that's a rare that's a rare coaching staff. <laughs> it is unique, uh, you know. In college, though, I so I came from college. I was coaching college for seven years, seven and a little bit. And in college, you see females all the time. It's a there's a lot of girls coaching women's soccer. And then in club, it's just my previous club. There was three of us, and it was a massive club, one of the yeah. biggest clubs in Seattle. And there's three of us. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually, this is my first season refereeing with NYSOA, so NCAA, and I've had mostly women's games, and I'm trying to think, so far the only all-female staff that we've had um, for for our, a coaching staff was University of Washington. University of Washington okay. was the only all-female staff, but every every other head coach, I think, has been male so far. Trying to think of all, all of them in my head. It's a, it's a, it's a relatively. I don't know what the word, the correct word is for me because I've been in the college game for a long time and I'd like to get back into it. 
Um, and the Title IX creates a quota where you have to have a female on staff or you're going to be reprimanded. Um, but I struggle with that because I don't want jobs because I'm female. I yep. really don't. I want them because I'm the best. Yep. And I feel as though I've gotten some interview interviews in the past because I'm a female who kind of knows stuff. And I don't want to be the female that kind of knows stuff. I want to be just the best candidate. Yeah. Um, so it's like a catch 22 because you want stuff. I want job opportunities, um, but I also want to earn them. Uh, but it's been interesting. Yeah. Well, and, and on that note, the University of Washington coaching staff, all female, um, they by far have put on the the best performance that I've had or I've seen in, in any of the games that I've refereed. They they won their or yeah they won their game that that I. I was part of the referee staff. Um, they won that game five zero, like very convincingly won that game. And and it, you know they're year after year, I think you know top twenty or top twenty five team. So and that coach has been there a, for twenty five years. I have a special relationship with them. Um, <laughs> one of my absolute best friends played uh, for University of Washington for Leslie and. Um, in 2011, the team I was playing for collegiately, we were ranked number 14 in the nation and we won the first round, won the second round and hosted UW in the third round and they ended our NCAA run. Uh. So I'm a little bit bitter, <laughs> but you're right. It was a class act. They did a good job. And one of my best friends played for Leslie and loved every minute of her time there. Yeah, that's cool. That's very cool. Um, all right, Sarah, where, uh, where can people connect with you? If, uh, if they want to, if they want to keep the conversation going or, or, uh, reach out to you and, and learn a little bit more about what you guys are doing at Pat's. So the best place to reach me is SD from the SD. So like Sarah divine from the San Diego. Um, and that is on Twitter. Sorry, what SD from the SD. Got it. (laughs) Correct. That's on Twitter, Instagram, uh, I don't know, everything, all social media. I try to keep it simple. That's everything. And then I also worked in the mornings at touch and go soccer out of Tustin. Um, it's a training facility. Um, and that's where we do more of the individual training stuff. Um, and we, it's a, it's run by one guy. It's a private company and there's three or four of us and I'm the only club affiliated coach there. Um, the rest of it is totally neutral coaches that that's their passion and that's what they want to do. Um, so it's a really cool place. And then obviously Pat's, if you want to check out my bio online, just don't look closely at my picture cause it's a selfie <laughs> and it's embarrassing. <laughs> that's funny. I, I actually have a, a quick question about touch and go. Um, yeah. how, how is that received by other club coaches? Because you said this, the people on the staff are, are club neutral, but yes. do, do is, is that received well by other clubs or, or, uh, yeah, by other clubs, you know, are they okay with sending your play their players to to touch and go? Um, do you mean like, um, are they okay with sending them to the neutral coaches, or are they okay with them getting training with me? Uh, both. Um, I so the the touch and go facility has been open for almost two years now, and I, as far as I know, coaches are absolutely okay with it. They're just happy their kids are getting extra training. I've only been participating. I stepped away from UC Riverside in May. Um, and I've been coaching there, doing some of the strength and conditioning there and then doing soccer classes and privates as well. Um, since May. And so it really hasn't been a cycle of soccer. So I haven't really like hurt anyone's team or stolen players or anything. So no one's angry at me yet. Um, and I don't really have plans to use that as a forum for player stealing. Um, it's more just me getting to be, I mean, the reason I stepped away from college is so I could just 
help people be better. Um, and so for me, it's an opportunity to do that. Very cool. All right. SD from the SD. Yes, sir. All right. I appreciate your time. Uh, and we will, uh, we'll, we'll get this flipped around and, and out to the public in, uh, in probably in the next couple of days. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 Podcast. If you're interested in accelerating your development as a coach and learning more about possession-based soccer, you can visit 343coaching.com and sign up for our premium coaching membership program today. That's where you will get access to video, audio, and ebook lessons that will help you reduce your trial and error time by showing you the methods that have been proven to work here in the United States. Kieran Boyle, a 343 member, said, an added bonus to the 343 coaching curriculum is that it's always accessible. Courses in the States are great for the weekend, but tend to lose momentum shortly thereafter. I am always looking back at the phase one activities, methodologies, and video content, end quote. So once again, to continue your learning from 343, you can learn more about our membership program or go and sign up at 343coaching.com. Once again, that is 343coaching.com. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We'll catch you next time.